Everybody, and Hi. welcome back. Hi, sunshine. Hello, rain cloud. I don't Why know am I the rain cloud? There's lots of different weather you could have picked. Like what? Uh, snow, wind. Hello, snow baby. I like that. I, I like to be the snow baby. All right, let's start. Let's start over. Okay. Hello, and welcome back to Nostalgia Entertainment System. Hello, sunshine. Hello, snow baby. We are your hosts, sunshine and snow baby. Um, and we're ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, nothing says ready to go like not knowing what you're going to say right before you say it. Not knowing what you're going to say and not knowing what you're going to say after doing this 26 times. <laughs> this is episode 26. We don't normally read out the episode numbers, but uh, this is episode 26. Feels like we should have done more by now. You think? I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes I mean, it feels like more. Sometimes it feels like less. I am surprised that we have done this many episodes, to be honest, that we have actually committed to this. Yeah. Fuck you, all you haters out there who said Josh and I would never do anything. With yeah. This. We're, we've are we we've done it. Not only have we done it, we're doing it right now. And you're Josh listening. and I are doing it. And I hope you're listening. Listen and to it, us do it. Yeah. Every week, every Monday, 9 a.m., Mountain Standard Time, you can hear Paul and I do it. <laughs> right on the dot. Um, and if you're listening, I hope you share the show. Share the show with your friends. If you like this, even if you don't like this, tell them that you don't like the show because at least that's some word of mouth. I'll take it. I'll take any word of mouth. All word of mouth is good word of All mouth. All word of mouth is good word of mouth. If uh, pop culture is anything to go by. I'm going to shorten that phrase and just say all mouth is good mouth. All mouth is good mouth, baby. Well, enough dawdling. Enough. Get this shit out of here. Get that shit out of here. We've got important stuff going on today. And we've got important stuff with a very, very important guest. Today with us on the podcast, we have Moonraker, a.k.a. Drew Jackson, joining us on the pod. Hi, Drew. Greetings, travelers. Oh, thank you Greetings, for uh, traveler. Thank you for taking the time to communicate with us from so far away in space, um, and also for yeah. providing this almost latency-free form of communication. You know, technology is crazy, and it's lonely up here in space. You know, the synthesizers are nice, but uh, that human voice you can't replace that. Are you human? Uh, well, you know, you spend enough time in space. Uh, programming synthesizers and things just kind of I don't know man I really don't know anymore and, and now that <laughs> Daft Punk is no longer a group I don't I can't I don't even mm. you know I I had I had brought that up um on the last episode that we recorded which I and, and I was honestly surprised that it was met with tepid response 
I don't know, because I, I I wouldn't say that I listened to a lot of Daft Punk, but it was certainly my introduction into electronic music. Um, and so, yeah, I don't I like I didn't necessarily keep up with them or anything like that, but I thought it was a pretty big deal that like, oh, there's no more Daft Punk. And then I, I watched their their epilogue video and it was kind of sad watching like pretty heavy, like, oh, you just told the other one to blow me up like shit. Yeah. That's pretty heavy. It fits. I'm pretty sure that little film there was actually something they had shot for something else a while back. Like I think it was something oh, really? that they shot even before Random Access Memories. But uh, oh, wow. still, the the connotation was it was there. Mm-hmm. It was and it's super sad for me. Daft Punk is obviously a huge uh, inspiration and and whatnot for me. But yeah, the just and I I'm wondering like because the gold android just he's there. I don't get it. Shouldn't they have died together? Did they have names? They never had names. Mm. Um, they were just sometimes referred to as the androids. The androids. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, what, what would, yeah, I, I guess like was, was Daft Punk like kind of your introduction also into electronic music or have you always been kind it of wasn't. like. For, for me, I mean, I was, I played in like a punk band. Oh God, I really don't want to confess, but it was a <laughs> pop punk band for a long time. Oh, for, nothing wrong with that, high school. Pop punk is dope as oh. shit. Oh, we were, you know, slaying it. What was your pop punk department. band's name? It was called Equal Squeeze. And you can actually go on Spotify and look that up and you can hear some old school, some old angsty uh, pop punk. But <laughs> we were coming back home from a gig one night and our front man puts the CD in the car. You guys got to check this shit out. Like, well, okay. And it was Skrillex's Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites. And like I was raised on like Black Sabbath and Judas Priest with my guitar upbringing, like from 12 through 18 and like, you know, like, oh, my God, the drop comes in. And I was just, I was bewildered. Like, what am I listening to? I, I don't even I can't comprehend. I had never heard any kind of electronic music before. So I went home, did my research. And then I found out that Dead Mouse was connected to Sonny uh, Skrillex. And then I got into Dead Mouse's stuff hardcore. And I think that was like the the real beginning for electronic stuff for me. Mm, gotcha. That to me, I don't know. To me, that's like. I never really thought about it in like maybe a like a whole like I don't know like thinking about it in terms of time but I feel like prior like b- before a certain point electronic music was like really just for those experimental weirdos that had those like giant uh. racks of modular synths and then at some oh, point yeah. it became like oh everyone has a computer and everyone can make music now so it's just become uh-huh. kind of like a norm whereas I it's feel like very at one noisy. point it was yeah where there there was like a like a like a shift. I don't know. You're, you're, you're more in tune with that kind of like, I don't know, community, I guess. But to me, that's what it seems like. I was like, you, you, you'd find like for electronic music, you'd see those old weird vinyls at the store of people just like making noise. and like, this is my electronic music album. And then at some point it became like, no, here's like dead mouse and Daft Punk. Right. But I don't know, getting that, a little more popularized. Yeah, that's kind of just like my off-the-cuff uh, musings on it. I don't really have any other real thoughts other than that. I don't know. I love a good Moog album. Wow, you even you even said Moog. Whoa. Yeah. And he's, Paul, I love you. Hey, thanks, Drew. I love you, too. When people say Moog. Oh. I didn't know it was called Moog until uh, I think there was, a, there was a Tallest Man on Earth video or something that he that he did that he he did like with Moog and then that's when I learned like oh it's not Moog 
It's Moog. When uh when my when uh, former guest of the pod PJ and I had a radio show, we would open every radio show with the uh, electric Moog. Uh, was this Electric Moog Orchestra? Was that their name? Or am I just mixing up Electric Light Orchestra? I, <laughs> um, maybe. I, I think that was their name, but uh, they they would cover the Star Wars uh, Cantina Band song. Oh, and, and I, we yeah. Would play that. I remember that. I was, I was thinking back. I was like, wait a minute. I don't remember you opening the show with anything, but I do remember, I do remember that Cantina, Cantina Band song. Mm-hmm. Which... If we're being honest, more than a Moog man, I am a jizz man. So I love me wow, some cantina you, jizz. You love <laughs> you love jizz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're right. Uh, the electric uh, Moog orchestra. Moog orchestra. Okay, I just never put it in my head that that was a play on electric light orchestra until this second, which is <laughs> very stupid of me. But like I just said, I'm a real jizz head. So <laughs> who knows? <laughs> you love that modal note jizz. Yeah. Ooh. Nothing gets you going more than that. Mm-mm. Ah. Analog jizz. There's your there's your name, <laughs> Paul. There's your Moog. There's my album. Moog handle. Uh-huh. <laughs> you should start a project called that. Oh, all I have to do is get my hand on a Moog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those are cheap, right? And easy to find. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Trust me. Um, Drew, I have a question for you. Yeah, ask away. How does it feel to be the person behind the most Constantly complimented part of our podcast, the theme song. That is that. No, that is, no, no. A- absolutely, no. It that is one hundred percent true. Uh, I'm flattered. It, many, it, it is amazing. Like every time it comes on, it it fucking slaps. Many many guests that we have had, uh, some of which are regular listeners, always comment how much they love your theme song. That is super rad, and I'm super flattered for all the listeners and uh, and you guys too. I was I was stoked to work on it. Uh, and I was really sweating a couple bullets off the bat. It's like, oh man, this has got to be. This is. I want these podcasts for this guy. It's just, yeah. But I did what I could, and I'm glad it slaps. Yeah, yeah we love it. It it is really good. Um, I guess I I've never really talked about the. Uh, I don't know. I, not that there's much origin to talk about with this theme song, but met, like a few years ago, this entire podcast was going to be something completely different. And it was going to be more of a video game oriented podcast, one in which it was more, it was going to be kind of like a kind of like a book club for video games, which sounds dumb as shit. I'd call that a video game club. A video game, <laughs> which all of this, all of all of what we're talking about right now has already been like done and like even talked about on another podcast that I listened to. We're copying them word for word, so hopefully we, they we don't are. listen to this. Hopefully they don't listen because this is all plagiarism, including uh, Drew's appearance. <laughs> has, is, has all been has all been plagiarized. But the original uh, idea for this podcast that I had was going to be myself and a guest would. Well, it would be myself and a guest, and the guest would pick a video game that they played from their childhood that was pretty not well known. Um, mm. I think going back to, I think PJ Willett, he had mentioned wanting to do, I feel like it was like an NES Olympics game. I don't know. It was some very oddball game that probably a lot of people haven't played or haven't heard of that kind of stuff. Oh God. I think I know which one you're talking about. Um, and the idea was like, you would just replay the game now that you are an adult and like, see how it. See how, mu- how much it like stacks up to your memories, what you think, what you thought of it then, what you think of it now, that kind of thing. Um, that was up. the original idea for the podcast. And I was like, man, if it's going to be like a video game nostalgia kind of podcast, I've got to get Drew 
to make a theme song. Um, and he made like a really quick demo, which I thought was incredible. It was really good. Um, and then that podcast that never, never became a thing. Yeah, that was right, a long right, time right, right. ago. Yeah, because you asked for that track. It's like, fuck, I don't know if I have yeah, that so, one anymore. Yeah, so like, I sent you like a clip of like this thing. I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember that. That's when I was sweating. It was like, shit. But yeah, so that, that podcast never became a thing. But I think uh, I think that would be a fun thing to do for this show. But uh, I was like, hey, Drew, I'm doing this podcast thing for real this time. And I want a theme song that sounds kind of like this thing that you made. And so that's where it came from. And it's really, really good. Well, I am flattered. And thank you again for... Uh letting me put the tunes in oh yeah it was a good of time course. of course we we appreciate uh your contribution to the show and even more now that you're on an actual episode yeah this is cool and i'm totally stoked to talk about the the nintendo 64, the 64. wow yes. do we, we want to just uh jump right into it then sure I'm, I'm just gonna do a give a little warning here about myself I did not grow up with one of these, so I'm going to bring some uh, real neighbor kid or like friend who's coming over to sleep over vibes to this because I was wondering. I, yeah, I don't have a ton of person of firsthand experience, but I'm excited to learn into little brother you guys, so to speak. Oh, yeah, that's fine. But that perspective is always cool to have too, Paul. Good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, if you have any questions about whatever the hell Drew and I are probably going to get really nerdy about, uh, feel free to jump in. Sure. So I don't really, I don't necessarily have like a, a structure for how this episode, and uh, honestly, that's like with most episodes, like, oh, I don't fucking know. Here's, here's a list of topics that we have in this Excel spreadsheet, and then maybe this can be an episode, uh, who the fuck knows. In this case, something that I, that I do want to touch on is like just a lot of the weird video games that were around during this time when like when like it was still even more of a wild west form of entertainment uh than it is now like and uh, we were talking about this a little bit before we were we started recording but going to the video store and then just looking at like their selection or like the the shelves and the walls of games that they had and everything just like at least for me everything looked really interesting unless it had like an athlete on it then I'm like I'm not going to play this fucking <laughs> sports game uh, or if there was something scary on it. I remember not wanting to ever play Turok because there was a oh, scary man. dinosaur on there. That's on the list, man. And I remember like looking at the back and thinking like, mm, nope, this is not for me. I'm too scared uh, of being eaten by a dinosaur. What about a scary athlete? <laughs> you ever see a scary athlete? I have not, and I hope I never will. Like maybe Steve <laughs> Kerr's up on the front there, and you're like, oh, <laughs> Steve Kerr. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I've I've never experienced a scary athlete, and like I said, I hope I never do. Shaq could be scary if he was mad at you in person, but I feel like on TV he seems very nice. And, Shaq, but he's huge, so it could be it'd have, be scary if he was mad th at you. This this is already going off the rails. But have either of you guys ever seen a cutout of how big Shaq actually is? There's one at Staples. No, wait, I. I don't know why it needs to be a cutout. Really? I guess so. You could like compare so you can yourself. Compare how short you are compared to Shaq. It is incredible. Is that just something they have at any store? It's at Staples because he's <laughs> like Why a, is it at Staples? That's so I think weird. Because I think they use, they, they, I think Shaq is like promoting like HP printers or something like, like that. footwear store. And so they just have a cutout of Shaq at like the front of the store. And every time, like the two times I've been to Staples in the last year, I'm just like, wow, Shaq is fucking huge. <laughs> I, I guess I'm going to Staples soon. <laughs> 
I've seen the picture of, I think it's Shaq next to Yao Ming, and that makes Shaq look like a normal-sized person. So, Oh, wow. Huh. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yao Ming's very tall. Wow. But I've never compared myself to a cutout of him either. The only cutout I've compared myself to is uh, Princess Leia oh, and yep. uh, Dorothy from Wizard of Oz. Oh, yeah, because we used to have those huh. cutouts. Yeah, we used to have those cardboard cutouts when we lived together. That is that is very true. Mm-hmm. I was taller than both of them, in case you were curious. <laughs> I was. Yeah. I could tell, Drew, you were wondering. You'd raised your hand with a question. <laughs> I was concerned. You didn't, you didn't say anything else. Like, oh, uh-oh. Uh, I guess now, go, now going, going back... On on track, write this ship here. We're gonna write. We're gonna write the ship and write this wrong. Uh, the wrong being the entire podcast. Um, oh, you're gonna delete it? I'm gonna delete it. Oh God. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I I remember just like going to the video store, looking at the wall, looking at the selection, and then I don't even I don't even know if I had a thought process of just like what to pick. I think sometimes my dad would just pick something, but I do have a short list of games that I remember playing that. At least to my knowledge, there is no discourse on at all. Because especially now that like, and, and at least during like the the early 2010s when gaming YouTube blew up and everyone mm. was making YouTube videos about video games and all these old video games, I have yet to see any of these N64 games, well, most of these N64 games uh, ever featured. Um, so the games that I have on my list are Buck Bumble, yes, Charlie Blast Territory, Iggy's huh. Wrecking Balls, Scars, yeah. uh, Chameleon Twist One and Two, and those, those those are like the main ones. And I have other ones that people do talk about, like Glover, which I did play yeah. and I hated. Um, it was awful, but like it was so <laughs> bewildering too. Like as a kid, like and I like I was Goldeneye and Turok Two and Doom sixty four, and I played Glover. And I mean, I hated Super Mario World as a kid. The 3D platforming shit was never for me. Oh, wow. Clover was just on this different plane of reality. I I just never understood. So I went back and watched videos of it like actually being properly played and how you were using the ball to destroy objects and and like get through puzzles and like, oh, yeah, I was just looking to run around and and kill things. I I didn't know I was supposed to be educated. It's... It's a really cool concept. So for those that don't know... Like uh, uh, me, for example. So Glover is a 3D <laughs> platformer in which you play a glove. Like a, like a Mickey Mouse kind of glove. I used to write little comic uh, books about a man named Glove Man, who was a Mickey Mouse style glove. Actually, Whoa. he was closer to the hamburger helper glove. <laughs> I mean, the, the Glover glove is kind of like a, the hamburger helper glove a little bit. Um, yeah. did, did in your comics, did, uh, you also live in like a circus world? Uh, well, I didn't, I wasn't in the comics. They were fictional. Are you uh, sure? No, <laughs> but it was, it was more of a, he was more of a Superman living in Metropolis kind of guy. He didn't live at the circus. Okay. Yeah. So I, and again, I don't really remember much of Glover. Like I remember there was one circus level and then, like you, you, so so you play you you play as a a floating or like a like a sentient, sentient white glove, and the main mechanics are like you can grab onto these you can grab onto like balls. So there's like bouncy <laughs> balls. There's like I remember there's like a tin ball that's like if you rolled up some aluminum foil. Oh right. Um, and they all all the all of the balls had different properties. So like the tin one was small and easy to throw, 
but it it doesn't bounce, so you can't jump with it. But then there was like a kickball kind of ball that I guess was maybe more difficult to throw, but it bounced, so you can jump really high. It introduced a lot of like really cool and interesting mechanics that are specific to like the the aesthetic of Glover, but I don't think it was a good game. I certainly didn't like it. I wasn't good enough to play Glover. We'll put it that way. I was too dumb. It wasn't very intuitive for our age at the time. And even if you were an adult, I feel like you would just be kind of like, well, I mean, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was such a weird, like the intro somatic for the game was so like weird and dark. And, no, like, I don't remember any of that. The only, oh man, I, yeah, the, the only things in my head about Glover are just like this one circus level where I think the sky is like purple or orange. There's a bunch of floating platforms and that's, that's <laughs> like my entire memory of Glover and I did not like that game because I did not understand any of the mechanics or how it was supposed to work. Yeah, Glover made it on my bad section of my <laughs> list. <laughs> I, I am actually very surprised that you had recognized any of these. I guess the first one being Buck Bumble, which had I was just watching shit. videos. Yeah, it's yeah, a cool as shit intro song too, like some British man rapping about a bee with a gun. <laughs> It was that drum and bass jungle beat sound. It was the shit. Yeah. And uh, I was doing some homework on the game, and apparently uh, it was supposed to be kind of Star Fox-like, but they just wanted to take you off the rails and let mm. it be fully 3D, fly around and, and do your thing. And yeah, I remember playing that game as a kid, and it was, it was fun. It was, you just flew around and shot up bad bugs, and <laughs> you jammed. They the had a pretty good soundtrack. Yeah. So Wait, I have a question about Glover. Before yeah, we yeah totally go for it. it. Yeah, oh. Um, I, I have to... I would be mad at myself if I didn't ask this, but um, was the final lever, level of Glover, did you uh, handle some testicles? Yeah. To <laughs> the final ball? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Like you're in a doctor's office and you're like checking for- Checking for cancer. For cancer. And, then, and then it also takes a weird turn and you have to jack off a giant hog. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like if you guys wanted to start the mod community for Glover, you could really- <laughs> You could really take it somewhere. Oh, Josh, think of all the deviant art you could do. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Man, we can rule 34 the shit out of Glover. <laughs> That's what people want in 2021, right? Is uh, <laughs> hey, hey, kids, remember Glover? Okay, first Here's off, this. don't advertise this to kids. That we shouldn't do that. I'm fine with That's doing this, point. but we should make the game is rated E only thing. The game is rated E for everyone. Well, your art is not. All right, your art is now rated. <laughs> At least T, if not M. <laughs> well, okay. All right, that's all I had to say. So yeah, Buck Bumble, you, you, uh, you're. I think are, you're like a mechanical bee or some shit like that. I don't really remember, but like, I think you, I think you are like a robot or some sort of mechanical bee, and you fly around and you have a gun and you have like these cool like green sunglass kind of things. And then you just fly around like little gardens shooting other mechanical insects. I really, that's really all I remember about the game. Um, and a lot of these games that I played were before we had a memory pack. So I couldn't save mm. shit. Like, Damn. So you play the game yeah. and then I guess it's as far as I go. And then you just turn the console off and then that's it. I remember doing that, not not with the NES Um uh, but with uh, PlayStation 1, we didn't have a memory card. So I only got to like level four of Bugs Life and mm -hmm. never, never got any further that than game. that. Yeah. Oh, man, that's a whole nother podcast. God. Yeah, it's. Oh, fuck that game. I mean, really? I understand why they didn't yeah. do it, but it is still unbelievable that like you were not 
given you it wasn't packed in you should pack in the ability to save a game if it's yeah. not like i don't know i i guess it also depended on the game because some games did save it on the cartridge and then some games required the memory pack i guess it just depends um on the game because i do remember whenever i would rent games from the store sometimes there would be save files on there already right and especially if i couldn't if I was too dumb to progress in the game, I would just play someone else's file and then just be really confused about what the hell was going on. <laughs> right. You start on like level 10 and you're like, oh, fuck, I'm not good enough for this. Yeah, no, for <laughs> real. Like I, I I, very distinctly remember that happening with Donkey Kong 64, oh. um, which I couldn't play in the first place because you needed the expansion pack to play Donkey Kong 64 because that game required more RAM. So you have known as the longest, um, like it's the only N64 game that has like the longest amount of uh, gameplay time. It's oh wow, I didn't ridiculously know that. long. Yeah. I think part of that also has to do with just like there is an insane number of collectibles like that of like the collectathon genre of games. Like there's just there's too many things to collect in Donkey Kong 64. But yeah, yeah you needed you needed to purchase the expansion pack, which was like a little little plastic thing that you put in like the front of your N64 um, and it doubled your, it doubled your RAM from four megabytes to eight megabytes. Wow. Um, and yeah, that was required red to play. Top. Yeah. With the red top. Um, and that was required to, to play, to play the game. And I remember like just being too dumb and stupid to figure out any of the puzzles. And then it's like, I'm just going to play this other person's file. And then, being one too scared because it was in a scary level that they saved at and also being very confused as to what I was even supposed to do. I would love to hear what the scary part of Donkey Kong could possibly be. Okay, so I want I'm genuinely curious. It was a weird game to begin with, but it definitely took some weird dark turns. The, oh yeah, so I feel like it's not that out of the ordinary if you're familiar with like Donkey Kong Country because there are like elements of uh, what, how, how, how does the, how does, how do movies categorize that? Like element, those like elements of, it's not elements of horror, but like elements of terror. May, ah, that doesn't sound, but there, there's like a specific way that like movie ratings will peril? say like peril. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of moments of peril and perilous things in like Donkey Kong country, especially anything like around, uh, King K rule. Um, so it doesn't seem that out of the ordinary, but particularly with Donkey Kong 64, there are two levels, well, uh, three, uh, that scared me a lot. Um, one of them was the like fire breathing dragon that you had to fight as Diddy Kong. I think, uh, I that one, I made it that far. That one's very scary. Um, the scary Jack in the box with like razor teeth and razor claws that you have to fight as tiny Kong. And then... Yeah. Uh, the love, like there's like some sort of like mushroom forest level that's dark and rainy and always like, and has like thunder and lightning. Uh, and you have to like ride in a minecart as Chunky Kong, something like that. That one was also very scary. Never made it that far. That was someone else's save that I played, but there's a <laughs> lot of very scary things in Donkey Kong 64, especially when you're like seven okay. terrifying, absolutely terrifying. Um, not to mention that the game also starts off with like a very somber and dark tone. What tone yeah, the is that? music's really sad and uh, Donkey Kong gets his island blown up. Wow, <laughs> that's fucked up. Yeah, 
<laughs> this game was rated E for everyone. Damn. Yeah, I don't know. It's like there there's a lot of like really good games for the N64, like Donkey Kong 64, but again, there's also just like these these just like fucking weird ones. And the weird ones stick out in my head way more. And I think a lot of it is because like especially after however much time you you kind of hear all there is like about Mario 64 and about Ocarina of Time and about GoldenEye and whatever cuz everyone everyone remembers those games and everyone makes content about it everyone talks about it but like I don't see anyone talking about Iggy's Wrecking Balls so that's just going to stick in my head cuz I've got I've got memories about it not necessarily thoughts but but Drew is yep, there bro. is there are there any are there any like on on your list of games that you've you've written down are there any like really weird obscure ones that you haven't seen anyone else mention on there? I don't know if it's as weird. Well, it is kind of weird. Um, Jet Force Gemini. I don't know if you ever played yep. that one. It was a it was a third person shooter. Yeah, by Rare, and it was just like a bug blaster, uh, and it was really fun and also unsettling. But it just had such interesting characters, like mainly the dog that you could like hover and it had a gun on his back. Oh yeah, uh, I kind of remember that. That yeah, that's a game I uh, as I was kind of doing some homework, I wasn't seeing a whole lot of talk about. But I mean, it definitely has its corner of people that love it, which is um, really interesting considering that it's a rare game and people love yeah. talking about this moment in time of rare developing games. Like everyone's just like oh, Donkey Kong sixty four and Golden Eye and Banjo Kazooie, <laughs> right? It's like yeah, 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 yeah. But what about like the the nitty gritty games? Uh, mm-hmm. Like no one really even talks about the Bomberman sixty four games. Like those are fucking awesome games. Yeah, too. I I remember I remember renting that uh, again, and I think it's because like so I I got my N sixty four when I was like six or seven years old. Um, mm. I think I got I think I think I got it for Christmas. I want to say that's when I got it. Um, so I'm a, so like I'm a young kid, and like I can I I don't know I I can't comprehend like what I'm supposed to be doing in any of these games. It's like, I remember renting Bomberman 64 and not understanding what the puzzles were, that there even were puzzles. Just like I'm stuck and I don't know why I'm going to play someone else's file. And then it just kind of continues. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do now that I've skipped four levels and played someone else's file. Like, I don't fucking know. Um, Same thing with like Jet Force Gemini. I remember like having to really convince my dad to let me rent that game because it was rated T for teen. And I was like right. eight. <laughs> so I had to like really convince my dad to let me rent it because I was like the only game at the store that I was interested in and hadn't rented yet. The other one was like Mortal Kombat and he would not have let me rent that. So I was like, well, okay, I guess you can rent this. And then I was just disappointed because I was too dumb to know how to play it. <laughs> Video games are hard when you're renting them. I feel like it would take me like at least a week and like either a friend who already knows the game or like an older brother who would know the game. And yeah, if you didn't have that, I feel like it was like, cool, you're going to, at least with me, I would spend like an hour maybe trying to learn. And if I couldn't figure it out, I'd I'd give up and I'd go watch a movie or something. <laughs> and it's always a bust, like coming home and like being excited to play this new game and then it just sucked. I was like, well, I'm stuck with this shit for the next week. And like, mm-hmm. yeah. And, uh. Yeah. The worst part about it was also when like you, I, I definitely, there were definitely games that I rented where I was 
too young or too ill-informed to even know that they sucked. Like, I knew that there was something about the game that I didn't like, but, like, I just didn't know. I just didn't know that there could be bad games. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Know? It's like, I, like, this is fun, I guess. I mean, it's something to do, so I guess I'll do it and keep playing this game, but, like, I don't know that these are bad games. So I'm also curious, like, how many games that I, like, I, I, I like, mention that are, like, pretty well-known or just, like, no, these are bad games and that they're not made well, people shouldn't play them, etc. Definitely one that uh, I did mention, Charlie Blast Territory, uh, is a puzzle game look that up. in which you play the titular Charlie Blasts or other characters. And There's so many puzzle- games about exploding and shooting, it seems like, from this time, at least that you guys and have balls. mentioned. Yeah, yeah. kind of. <laughs> That's just what the era was like. Exploding balls. Exploding balls really encapsulates the N64 library. Um, <laughs> but Charlie Blast's territory is a puzzle game in which you shift these bombs around with the goal of uh, lighting, like a like setting setting off a detonator, blowing up all of the bombs with one like explosion, I guess. Uh, so wow, you had, I never saw this game. So you had bombs that like explode. Everything takes place on a grid. Um, and like Minesweeper, kind of like Minesweeper. Now we're speaking my language. That's as far as the Minesweeper similarities go. Okay. Bombs on a grid. That's what I'm picturing. There were like different kinds of bombs that explode in different kinds of ways. There were also like terrain obstacles. So like if you were on one corner of the map and there was a bomb on the other corner of the map that you needed to move in a certain spot, you needed to navigate this like grid terrain in order to like move things around some of the terrain were like springs and like if they were like springs in a row you couldn't stop halfway so you had to like go across all of the springs before you got to the next part um there were things like ice so if you push a bomb on ice it has to slide all the way until it hits something there's things like uh i think there was like cacti and like a desert themed level and so you just, and you couldn't touch them. So you'd like, if there was like a section of cacti blocking the way off, like there's just no way to get around it. There's a, like when I'm, ta- as I'm talking about it, it sounds like a really fun puzzle game, but I hated that game as a kid. <laughs> like it was definitely bargain bin. Here's an N64 game that like my parents can get for like 20 bucks or something. Mm-hmm. And that's why we had it. I'm sure because it was cheap. I think my dad liked it though. I think uh, I think he played a lot of it, and he was pretty good at it, like solving all these puzzles. Again, I was a dumb child, and I could not figure out the majority <laughs> of these puzzles. Yeah, <laughs> um, like I don't think I even ever got past like the first page of puzzles. That sounds so, about right for like an eight-year-old. It's it's a very odd, strange game. No one talks about it. I have never heard anyone mention that they have heard of it at all. But it's like the very first N sixty four game that I actually owned. Drew, how did you how did you get your N sixty four? It was it was Christmas for me. So like we were talking about earlier, I, we had rented an N sixty four. My dad was like, "We let's see what console we want to like invest in." And, and then that following Christmas, we got the N sixty four. And I, the first two games I had, which like completely defined my gaming taste and even like music interest, was Ocarina of Time and then GoldenEye sixty four. Uh, those two games, of course, as big as they were, like they were the biggest selling games, I think, at the time. 
And I, I think my dad was really more interested in GoldenEye 64 than I was at the time. But uh, yeah, from there, we just, it'd be trips to Blockbuster and kind of investigating games that way. Because every now and then I'd go to the, the grocery store and get a magazine for games and like, Oh, you know, when, yeah. I, when I saw Majora's Mask, I was like, holy fuck, like there's there's going to be another Zelda game. And I just have like two pictures because there's two pages of it like <laughs> in the magazine, just like, oh, I can't wait. And like and it's just so strange because now like I I know what's going on in the game market like every day. Like that's all I look at on my phone. And but yeah, the it was just a Christmas console for me. And and then from there, it's just collecting games upon games and just enjoying what I could get. Nice. Do you do you remember the first game that you either played or owned on the N sixty four? The for me it was Ocarina of Time. Okay. And uh, nice. And Link was like just like my hero, and of course like it's Zelda. His name's Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> like running around, and yeah, it was it was that one, and then and then GoldenEye sixty four. I just completely got me with my uh, Josh. You know me. I'm a huge FPS uh, bloodlust gamer, but. <laughs> I remember learning the names of the guns and my dad was like kind of proud of me. And then my mom was like, he can't be knowing the names of these guns. And like, and my dad's like, they're not even the real names. Just, you know, calm down. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was, it was just lots of fond memories on the N64 and yeah, lots of weird ones. Like I've got a list of some of the weird games like oh, yeah. snowboard hit, hit, kids. Hit oh, I Did remember ever... snowboard kids. Yep. Yeah. Cause like we had 1080 as well. 1080 was like, a, a, I think still is a really cool snowboarding game. Uh, but yeah, the snowboard kids, um, and I, I just saw in here Starcraft 64. Can you imagine playing? I never played it, but I cannot imagine playing Starcraft on a, on a controller. I can't either. And especially, yeah. well, the N64 has a lot of buttons, so it's probably right. fine, but playing Starcraft on the N64 sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. I, I mean, it already sounds like a nightmare playing it in general because i'm really bad at it oh yeah <laughs> i can't even play it on pc no but perhaps the i the worst game we have to give a little light to and also i think on the next paul plays uh twitch stream he has to play this <laughs> n64 game is superman 64 oh yeah i remember seeing that at the store one of the most notoriously awful n64 games of all time oh it's, yeah uh, i would love to play pretty that. funny it, and it's just actually <laughs> it's, superman it's yeah, yeah okay. it's, just, wow. it's just Superman and I uh it's pretty raved about being the one of the worst games but I remember bringing that home one day I was like it's fucking Superman I can't wait and it was just such like even as a kid I knew like this sucks like what a <laughs> what a bummer yeah man there are there's like I mean I mean I mean the the bar for video games is also just like in a completely different place back then right you know so it's not like it's it, you really could do whatever the hell you wanted. And there's no, like, there's not a lot of comparisons you can draw, you know? Cause like nowadays, if you make a superhero game, like I feel like there's some, there's like an expectation of how it's supposed to play in some way. Like you kind of expect it to at least have some sort of resemblance to like the Arkham series, you know, mm. or, or some, there, there's like, there is now after, however many like years of modern video gaming, there's like established design choices that you really should stick to and shouldn't deviate from too much. <laughs> you know, like if you have an FPS on console that doesn't move with the left stick and aim with the right stick, there has better been an incredibly good reason for that. Right. Because that is an established norm. And if you deviate from that, that's really bad. Yeah. But and, because and those, they were just, 
pioneering things on the N64 uh, in that way. Like you say, like it's like right now there's just so many tropes you stick with. And, and back then it was just like, oh, well, shit, let's see if this works. And and if I had to go back and play an, an FPS on the N64 controller now, I, I couldn't do it. It would just be excruciatingly painful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Um, going back a little bit to, uh, to Ocarina of Time, you, you made it sound like you had played Zelda games prior to that. I had not. Oh, okay. Um, that was my first Zelda title. And then from there, I actually traveled back in time uh, later on. And that was thanks to the Game Boy, actually playing A Link to the Past on the Game Boy all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, and then going back further and further. But uh, yeah, that was that kind of set the bar for me in terms of like what a action RPG kind of a game would be. I know it's not exactly an RPG, but uh, I had played that. And then I would play some turn-based games. And I remember oh, like playing okay. Harvest Moon 64 for the first time. Like this sucks. Like why can't I <laughs> chop anything down with a sword? <laughs> but so if if I remember correctly, Ocarina of Time was the first N64 game that I had ever played, and it was at those uh, at the Walmart like demo kiosk. You guys oh, remember yeah, that? We had a, oh yeah, you had to break your fucking neck you just had to, to crank watch the... your neck up. Because you're you're three feet tall, <laughs> yeah. so you have to crank your neck up just to see what's going on on the screen. Well, and like if you're an awkward kid, like well, I know I was, and I'm assuming you guys might have been as well. But like you just like awkwardly wait until there's no other kids anywhere near there because you don't want to have to make small talk. Oh with yeah, them. I would always like just like I would go to it if it was free. I'd be like, cool, I'm playing some games. But the second there was another kid there, I was like, oh, I'm gonna go find my mom and. Help her do some shopping, you know, like there's other stuff I got to do. I, uh. I wouldn't, I would do that to the extent of like, oh, there's no one on there. I'm going to play. I'm going to like play with the console, but like I wouldn't, inter- if someone's already on there, I'm not going to talk to them and ask. But once I was on there, I hogged the thing. <laughs> I was that kid that like just locked it not- down. Oh yeah. I'm just, I'm going to play this thing until I have to leave Walmart. That's the worst. Still- like go down. The toy aisle, and he's still on there. <laughs> <laughs> Do they still have those? Like, I don't think so. I don't. <sighs> I wonder why not. I mean, I know why not now. I think the Switch maybe had it for some. Like, I think some GameStops had a Switch kiosk, just so you could like play with the Joy Cons or whatever. Mm. I don't know. I, I feel like if any place is going to have it, it's going to be Best Buy. Because uh, I remember when I was working there, there was a there was an Xbox One and the ps4 display um but i don't i don't know and it's i I don't honestly see why not and it's just guy this is just like a general one of my general thoughts is that i don't understand why demos for things are not more widely available especially now that for a lot of products that are like becoming more expensive and for more niche things let me try the fucking thing before I buy it. <laughs> like I, mm-hmm. I am so happy whenever there's a demo for a game now because then I can, it's it's useful for a lot of things. Like, is the performance good? Does the game play well? Do I even like it? And then there have been there have been demos where it's like, okay, cool, that was great. Now I'm gonna put sixty dollars down and just buy the game. I'm gonna pre-order uh-huh. because you had a demo. I don't understand why that's just not a common practice. It, it went away. Like, and that's something that could be so accessible, like on Steam now. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah, it's just not a not just a thing let me to do just anymore. let me let me try the damn thing first. I remember taste. 
as a as a kid, I had like a demo disc for PlayStation One at one point, and I played that fucker all the time. I would mm-hmm. play just like the first level of Spyro and a couple other games. Never bought the games because <laughs> I didn't have money. I was a child, um, but <laughs> I loved that free demo disc, and I don't even know where I got it. Honestly, get it from the magazine. I don't they, think they, so. they would send them with the magazine. We didn't get a magazine. I don't know where it came from. Maybe you got it from someone. Maybe I think a friend probably did give it to me. Like, hey, do you want this? And I was like, sure, a cool new game. And he's oh, like, well, yeah. it's just a demo. And I was like, no, a cool new game. It's like six new games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I played um, Mario Kart Double Dash, at least the, the copy that I got, or the version that I got, came with a demo disc, and I played the demos for those games so much. It was great. I loved it, because it was just like, it was, it was kind of like cheating, you yeah. know? It was like, ooh, I also got four more games on this disc. Well, then you could always, I feel like it was always pretty easy to beat the demo level, so you always got like a nice, like... Yeah, I could probably beat this game real easy the way I beat this demo real easy. You know how they sucker kids like me into buying things like this? Yeah, I'd be super good at it. <laughs> yeah, that that was I think I think Ocarina of Time was the first N64 game I ever played just like cranking my neck up and I feel like I feel like the the part of the game was like that that I played. Well, I don't know. I feel like it was maybe like a very spoilery part of the game. Which, yeah, how far in was it? The only thing, and I don't know if this is me just making this memory up or if this is something that I actually saw. I, I'm i very sure that I was in the Temple of Time. Mm. I am less sure whether or not I got to pull out the Master Sword. <laughs> because oh. that would be wild for like, hey kids, play this demo of Ocarina of Time. <laughs> also, this demo is going to contain the biggest spoiler of the game. The big- <laughs> so... But were you, oh, I'm assuming you were young Link still then. Yeah, I think so. I just, I, I just remember being in the Temple of Time. Um, yeah, I think yeah. I was young Link. Maybe I was adult Link. I honestly don't remember. Maybe some kid was just super close. Like, I can finally pull the sword. And then his mom's like, hey, gotta go. No. And then you walked up. And then I walk up and then, ah, I'm going to run around. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> the kid's like pulling Someone's probably already out. pulled it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. But like that, that kiosk and, and all the other kiosks I spent whenever we, whenever my mom would go grocery shopping at Walmart or whatever, I would, I would just spend the entire time just like playing the PlayStation two and playing the GameCube and playing the N64. There might've, there might've been a PlayStation one kiosk. Yeah. I love those things. I, I have a, a game. I'm curious to see if either of you guys played. Yeah. Go for it. This yeah. is one that I, I had on computer, but I also had a friend who had it on N64. So I figured I would count it. Uh, sure. Lego Racer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. that's on my list, Paul. Yeah. That, oh, man. Such a good one. I it, loved that. That it is a good really one. really good. I remember like the fact that you could build, your, build your own your car. car. Mm-hmm. And it functioned perfectly no matter how shitty you built it. Yeah. yeah I always right. played it as a skeleton. Ooh, good yes. choice. Because oh, he looked cool as shit. Yeah. Man, no, I, that, I, I remember, I think at that point I had already like, I, I, I had already played and like owned Mario Kart 64 because I distinctly remember having the thought of like, I don't like the way that this game controls. Like that was my biggest issue with the Lego racing game was that it didn't control like Mario Kart 64, Mm, which is what I was used to. But I love the fact that like, because Lego race was. It was more 3D, right? Yeah, I think it was like fully 3D. Like, and Mario yeah. Kart was 
almost like a sprite it looked like on the screen yeah i think mario kart uses sprites but yeah like you could build your own car or like this is the coolest shit ever yeah this it was a cool game and there was there was always like there's a bunch of themes like like a cat there were a bunch of castle parts mm-hmm. there's a bunch of like egypt parts or something like that yeah and then you could ha- you had those little like power-ups that you could like build on to each other yeah and like i remember the best one was always like the uh the turbo vortex or whatever yeah the yes. white was it the white one i remember always I, I really it was liking the, the white the green ones mm, maybe it was the green i don't remember but maybe, i remember hey, they turned white if you got all three i don't remember i always remember picking always the one color and i remember like mm. blue sucked or something like that yeah i know they're well they were like different kinds because the green was like f- speed boosts and then red was like you could like do like you could like attack people you'd get like a little lightning bolt or something depending on how many and i don't really remember any of the other ones i wonder why there hasn't been a lego racing game like that since right I, i'm looking now there was lego racers 2 on game boy advance but i don't think there's anything <sighs> after wow with 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 current with current development tools, that would be cool as shit. I oh, I yeah. found out yesterday that there's gonna be uh, a Hot Wheels racing game with like modern graphics, and it honestly looks very fun. Count me in, shit, dude. It look it looks it looks like a very it looks like a very good and fun game. And Call I, me when there's a Matchbox game, Josh. Right. That'll be clunkier and heavier. <laughs> Matchbox that have the cool shit, those big containers that like opened up to be like crazy little racetracks. Oh, I never had yeah. any of that. Oh man, there was some cool shit that Matchbox had. I ha- I just had like the I just had a set that like came in like a like one of those vacuum vacuum plastic things. And then I just got that for like a birthday or something. So I, I never I never had any like set for Hot Wheels or whatever either. Oh yeah, I would always just take the cars out to the sandbox for the most part. <laughs> oh god, we're all Hot Wheels and Matchbox, go to die. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, did you ever play Mega Man sixty four? I did. Uh, the super weird like RPG Mega Man game. Yeah, I want to revisit that game. It's not a terrible game, I don't think. I I don't recall it enough to really judge, but. That I mean, I never gave it a full playthrough, mm. so it's. I think I would, pr- I would probably play it on PS One because I think the N sixty four was a port, because it's. Oh. I think it was originally Mega Man Legends for PS One, and then it got ported to N sixty four as Mega Man sixty four. Mm. But I do remember playing that game, uh, again, just being not smart enough to know how to play the game, uh, playing someone else's file, and then also being really confused. But I do rem- I do remember liking the game. I remember like the controls and the combat just like not working for me because it felt so awkward. And also it, it does have a lot of like RPG elements to it where it's like you can equip these things and they give you stat bonuses and like that's not at that point I, I had I had played games where you just push a button and then you attack. I'd never had to worry about how much damage I was doing. Yeah. Um, which we have to do for that game, but I I very much remember like there there's a little section in like the very first town you go in in Mega Man 64, Mega Man Legend, whichever you want to call it, where it's like a little shopping alley or whatever, and you for whatever reason like you can kick a can. There's like a can on the ground. Yes. I just like I like to kick cans. Oh, okay. I, th- I thought <laughs> I thought this like I also hadn't said anything in a while. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so you you can kick this can. Oh yeah. And I 
always try to just, I think you maybe got something if you kicked it into the garbage. <laughs> so I remember just like for 30 minutes, just sitting there, just trying to like, I'm going <laughs> to kick this can into the garbage. I don't know if I ever did. I don't know if you can. I don't know if that's a thing you can do, but I spent 30 minutes kicking a can in a video game when I was a kid. Jesus. Like a hidden mini game. Yeah. That is that is one of the best parts about like kids is they'll like make up a rule and be like, well, obviously this is true, even though there's no <laughs> evidence to support oh, yeah. that. One hundred percent. Like, of course you would kick this item into a trash can because in real life you would put this item in the trash can. And so of course you're gonna kick it because it's a video game. Yeah. I don't have any other way to interact with this can, so I'm gonna kick it into the garbage. Um, I also remember like at some point I was like, I, this game is too hard. I'm going to play someone else's file, which still was too hard and I couldn't progress in the game. But whoever's file this was, they unlocked rocket feet or whatever. And they oh, were just shit. like roller skates on Mega Man's feet. And I just remember just gliding around town, just like, oh, this is now this is the gameplay I wanted. <laughs> just like rollerblading in like a city square. That was fun. That was a great game. Uh, Coincidentally, well, not coincidentally, just like this is just me moving on. Uh, my two favorite games are for the N64. And they're yeah. two games that I'm slowly learning has like a very small cult following given my my, my like experiences with this game on Twitch. Um, oh, but these I think games, I know where you're going. These games are Mystical Ninja starring Goemon and Goemon's Great Adventure. Uh, yeah. Two games in the Gumbare Goemon series that only ever saw three U.S. releases. Um, really? Yep. These two for the N64 and then Legend of the Mystical Ninja for Super Nintendo are the only games in this series that have ever made it to the U.S. Um, and these are, I would say, by far my my favorite games. Like, I wouldn't necessarily, necessarily say that they are groundbreaking games or anything like that but like they they hold a lot of like sentimental significance for me um however i will say that the first one mystical ninja starring goemon does use a lot of the mechanics and game design elements that ocarina of time does and this game released a year before so i am going to say that that uh this did what ocarina of time did one year prior not that that's anything because Ocarina of Time still took from older Zeldas and just made it 3D. Uh, so this game was probably also influenced by older Zelda games and games like it. But I will put that out there that this game did what Ocarina of Time did one year before. So take that, Ocarina of Time nerds. Oh my God. <laughs> my game did it first. What was like the plot of this game? I'm I'm just looking at screenshots now, and I remember seeing this at Blockbuster, mm. and for some reason, like I think that guy with the blue hair is too edgy for me. I, I'm a I'm a Link fan, so I can't <laughs> I can't rent this game. Um, so the the plot for this game and the plot for a lot of Gambare Goemon games is always very fun and wacky. In this particular case, uh, Goemon and his his crew need to stop these two oh i actually don't i don't know where they're from i think they're from space i think they're like space aliens um who have come to earth uh in a giant peach shaped spaceship and have turned all of the castles in japan from like feudal japanese castles into european style castles in an effort <laughs> to 
turn all of Japan into a giant musical theater stage. Um, and so huh. it's your job to stop them from turning Japan into this stage uh, for their dumb play or whatever. So that that's the plot of the game. I love um, that a villain's motivation is to put on a play. That yeah, is, right. Your goal is to stop it. That's Towards really the end of Are the they game. truly the villains? Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Depends on how good the play is. You do get to see True. part of the play at the end of the game. They do have a nice little opera part. It is it is very good. I man, I uh, I just love this game so much. It is it is my favorite game ever. 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 Wow. Because this game like this game holds a lot of significance for me. Uh, as I've mentioned in episodes past, I am Japanese, and this game is very Japanese. Um, like it's it's very like traditional Japanese. So it takes a lot from folklore and it, it's mostly that just like, so, so the main character, uh, Goemon is like made after, I don't know what the proper term is like written after, I don't know. However you, however you describe that, that turn of phrase, but, uh, based on that, that's, that's the proper way. So the main character is based on, um, a, I think he was a real person, uh, but essentially the Japanese Robin Hood, Ishikawa, Go, Ishikawa Goemon, huh. he kind of did the same thing of like, I'm going to steal from these rich lords and give all this money to people that need it. He, 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 he was a thief that kind of like operated on those kinds of like morals. So the main character is is based on on this person, um, which there's a lot of like really fun, interesting facts about him. Like, uh, I think he got boiled with his son. That's how they died. Wow. Um, son oh. stew. Yeah, uh, very, very fun and interesting stuff. But the thing that is like really important to me for this game is that this is how I learned a lot of Japanese things. So a lot of like my interest and knowledge about Japan comes from playing this game with my dad, who is Japanese. So cool. I so in, in a way where I think if most like American kids were playing this game, just like completely clueless as to everything that's going on. I got context for everything. So like mm -hmm. I, so like all these, like some of these monsters and some of these like things that you see, I was just told like, this is what this thing is. This is, this is a Kappa. This is who this character is based on from Japanese stories. These are what these fish are. This is what this food is. This is what this thing is. So like, I, I don't know it, it th like that. That's probably the reason that it's the most important to me and why mm -hmm. I really like, I also think the game is just fun as hell and the music is incredible. It's some of the best music. If if I could, if I could get like music tattooed, I would get the entire soundtrack tattooed all over my body. You could just Damn. get the music notes. Yeah, maybe. And then if you have somebody sing it like sight read and sight sing your uh, tattoo, then you could hear the music. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's also on my phone. Okay. Well, you said you wanted to get the tattoo, so I was trying to help. Okay. Well, I do plan on getting a tattoo of these characters. And I even have a uh, poster on the wall of of these characters. But yeah, I I love this game. It's so good. It's so fun. Incredible music. Uh, and it's very important to me. That's really cool. Yeah, to to have your pops being able to to explain those things from a kind of a historical standpoint. Mhm. Mm Oh yeah, definitely. Because I, I know some of some of your drawings too. You've drawn a couple of um, I can't remember the the one. It's like a uh, parasol, but it's like a demon. Like some of those. Oh yeah, uh, Casa Obake. 
Yeah, and I I was playing Neo Two just a few nights ago, and I came across one of those like holy shit! Like I, Josh drew one of these, and like I kind of put everything mm-hmm. together. Yeah, it's such so, a cool, it's such a cool world. Yeah, th- I mean those those like a lot of the enemies that you find in the Going One series are based off of yokai, which are Japanese demons, right? Um, and spirits and ghosts and whatever else. And like Kasa Obake were in Goemon's Great Adventure. And you just, they float down and then they hop around and then you kill them. And yeah. yeah they're they're pain in the ass and new. So it's it's really fun to like, and, and that's, that's also kind of where my like, my like, I don't know what, I don't want to say my love for this thing. Cause that just sounds kind of sappy and cheesy and I don't really like them all that much. I just think they're fun. Um, but the reason that I like Daruma and why like my business is named after them is because that was one of the bosses in Mystical Ninja starring Goemon. Like the second boss oh. is a giant robot Daruma, uh, whose name I can't remember. Something like I, I'm looking it's, it up. It's Daruma esque. It's like, oh well, yeah, something like that. But really fun Koronda? boss. Hmm? I see Daruma Koronda. No, it's like dai, Daimyo, Daimyo something. I don't, I don't oh, really remember. Uh, I think I see it here. Yeah, yeah. So that that's when I like found out like what Daruma were, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Very fun, important game for me. Hell yeah! Uh, do they have those monsters that you've also drawn of the uh, guys who bend over and show you their asshole? Yes, that is also in Goemon's Great Adventure. Wow. <laughs> uh, Too bad Glover couldn't hop in there and help you out. Yeah, for yeah. real. A little finger. Just grab at. Uh, that <laughs> is the monster that Paul is referring to, if anyone wants to look it up, is Shirime. Which is real. I didn't make it up. Um, which is a yokai that I guess you would typically see like just walking along a night street, maybe acting a little bit weird a little bit strange with the goal of wanting to attract your attention um, and interact with it. And once you interact with it, it will disrobe and it will turn around and show you its asshole that has a giant eyeball in it. And Damn. that is, that is Shirime. Uh, I believe in the, in Goemon's great adventure. I think like little, little monkey creature looking things shoot out of its butt too. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. Uh huh, but yes, that that is that is from that game. It's my favorite. That's game. heavy I shit. It. It's great. It's great. I love it. Uh, the, I I had one more um, game that I had played on N sixty four. Another one that I had on computer. Ooh. But other friends had it for N sixty four. Was the uh, the Star Wars Episode One uh, pod, pod racing game? I never played Fuck that. Yes, that really. Game was actually oh, really fun. Like it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Like you could save up and like. You could like pick which character you wanted to be and like improve their pod and go shop for parts at Watto's part shop. <laughs> it was right. It was rad. Wow. Yeah. The I, graphics I, were pretty cool for the time. I never played it. I do know people like it, but I never played it. I don't think. I don't think I was into. I was not into Star Wars at that time. Mm, yeah. So there would have been no like motivation for me to want to like rent that game. Um. Yeah. I mean, I. It, it's it's a little bit weird thinking about a time when I didn't like own any video games because like now I own too many and I don't have time to like play yeah. and finish them all. But like, especially I think I think the N60, oh, I think it maybe ended with that, like 
that generation of video games, but for a while, games did not have standardized pricing. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think Mario 64 launched at, like, a $70 price tag or something like that. Damn. Because I, I never even thought about how the games cost, because my folks bought them all. But Yeah, because at yeah. some point, they all were standardized to $50 for new releases, and then once the Xbox 360 and PS3 came out, they were standardized $60. to $60. That's what they are still now, um, which I think it should maybe be increased if it prevents, like stupid dumb dlc editions or whatever from coming out because you're gonna end up paying like 110 dollars for those right you know i'd rather pay 70 bucks up front than rather pay 60 dollars for the game and then 50 dollars for a season pass just fucking sell me the game at a higher <laughs> price and it's complete but that's that's a conversation for something else entirely but yeah so like this is before prices were standardized so even so games were expensive anyway so my parents, like, I'm surprised that they even got an N64 to begin with. I don't know where that money came from, because I remember when I got it, we did not have any, like, I did not get any games. My parents rented, or, like, my dad rented Pokemon Snap when I got my N64, and that was the oh, first yeah. game I ever played on my own console. That's one of those games I was trying to wrap my head around as a kid, like, when do I get to catch the Pokemon? Why am I taking pictures? But then when <laughs> I went to Blockbuster, my Blockbuster had one of the kiosks where you could print oh, your man. pictures oh, from the game. We've heard, yeah. we heard about I never this. got to do that. Yeah, but like uh, I always just thought that was cool to see that in there for like the few months that it that was because I think it was like around launch whenever the game came out. Mm. I, I, had, I had not been familiar with Pokemon at that time aside from like maybe watching a couple episodes of the anime. So I was yeah. totally fine. It's like, oh yeah, taking pictures. This is great. <laughs> and then there was, yeah, I don't know. There was just like a weird, not necessarily like emergent gameplay from it, but like the exploration was super fun, especially because like it was not necessarily expected mm-hmm. from like a weird photograph rail shooter that like, yeah. hey, do these puzzles and then you can also unlock new areas. Like that's cool as shit. Yeah. A very different game. A little cryptic. Like, I, I wouldn't have known some of those things on my own at that age anyway. Mm-hmm. And there's also a new Pokemon Snap coming out. I can't wait. I it saw looks that. really good. It does look pretty cool. Ah, oh, I'm very excited for that. I think it's going to be really fun. Yeah, off topic, what did you guys think of that uh, Nintendo Direct, just that most recent one? Uh, it was fine. I was really bummed to see that Skyward Sword was getting an HD remake and not Twilight Princess. That hurt. I mean, I don't know. I I guess. I mean, like, Twilight Princess already got an HD remake. I give it, it granted it was for Wii U. Oh shit. I think, right? Oh, that's that's right. Yep. But yep. yeah, I don't I don't I don't know. It was a bunch of mad uh that new open world Pokemon game I'm kinda scratching my head about still. <laughs> uh oh, the Arceus one? Yeah. Cool concept, I think, but like I just I keep seeing the the this shot of the game where the one Pokemon's flying through the air at like three frames per second. Yeah. Like, some, of, some of that, like there is some weird, like there is some weird stuff going on. But the, the thing that I, 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 re- this really just comes down to, I just need to stop reading comments for anything. Cause they just make me oh, upset. Yes. And especially yeah. any comments <laughs> that have to do with any sort of Nintendo related okay. IP. Cause like the vocal Nintendo online community is like the neediest group of children 
I have ever seen. And it's funny because it's probably a bunch of people our age who are growing up, but the games aren't growing up with them. So they're probably upset that this game isn't what they want it to be. It's like just you. (laughs) Nothing that these companies can do will please you in any way. So maybe you should just stop playing these games and just play the ones that you remember so fondly. You Uh know, it's like I am very excited for the Diamond and Pearl remake and I'm going to get it. And I think it looks great. And I think I'm going to have a fun time because that's my favorite Pokemon game. But then there's all the people that's like, the art style looks so bad. I can't believe they're charging money for this. Like, Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. Nothing will please you, huh? You finally got your Breath of the Wild style Pokemon game. Oh boy, this game looks pretty bad. It's like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, you finally are getting what you want and what right. you have talked about so long. Honestly, what it might have been is like, this game is not ready and like at, at all to show to people. But if we don't show people something. The pressure. Yep. People are just going to shit on us anyway. So we might as well show were, this trailer of alpha footage. <laughs> and then people are just going to shit on it. And it's like, Jesus Christ. Everyone just, I don't know. I, I'm i just like, I'm so sick of it. Just like, I don't And maybe it's because like, I don't know. I, whenever I got a video game or learned about a new video game when I was a kid, it was all like all news was good news. Right. Right. Like, like in particular for Twilight Princess, I think it was maybe like three, three months or whatever, maybe in a row, but there were three issues of electronic gaming monthly that came out that had, um, that had link on the cover for Twilight Princess. And I remember just like thinking, holy shit, there's going to be a new Zelda and it looks so cool and Link is on the cover and it's going to be, and I like, I remember like having to beg my mom to get these magazines, Mm -hmm. um, which I still have and they're really fun to read. That's cool. But like, I was just excited that there was a new thing and now there's a new thing coming out and people are just complaining that this new thing isn't, isn't the right new thing. It's like, Jesus (laughs) fucking Christ. The internet man ruined it all. It it's it's fucking it's fucking terrible, and I it really just comes down to like I just need to stop reading these things. Yeah, because I, I guess I did, like oh, I have bad. I have some reservations about the way that the Diamond and Pearl remakes look, but ultimately I'm just kind of excited to play the game again in like HD. Yeah, you know it's like that's that's gonna be fun, and like there's gonna be obviously development time for this Arceus game, but it looks really cool. So yeah, I mean unless the game is really bad you know it's like hell yeah this is really awesome there's new things coming out and i'm gonna be pleased yeah, I, with it like i'm surprised i applauded that- a change of direction for a pokemon game it was just like cool and then but then everyone was like Marr. yeah it's like <laughs> god damn maybe but you, you guys been asking for this yeah like uh, yeah like and going back to the magazine thing it, it when we were kids just a different time because like you could just anyone can have an opinion on the internet but you're sitting there reading reading a magazine and getting excited about this game you're on your own. It's just, yeah, mm-hmm. I miss that. Yeah, I remember there There was like a good one or two years that I wanted to be a journalist because then I could get a press pass to go to E3. Like that was oh, my career yeah. goal. I was like, I'm going to be a journalist and I'm going to write about video games because then maybe I can get hired by a magazine and then I can go to E3. And now I'm glad I did because now E3 comes to me. <laughs> <laughs> right and i don't have a job as a journalist <laughs> but if i did Best maybe, of both worlds yeah but if i did maybe i'd be verified on twitter 
It's all you need to do nowadays. Be a journalist? Yeah. Yeah. Drew, did you have uh, any... We, we, we touched on this a little bit with like N64 accessories. So like the expansion pack and the memory pack. But there was also mm-hmm. like a bunch of other stuff. So there was like... Oh, yeah. There was the rumble pack. Always had that rumble pack in. transfer pack, I think, for Pokemon Stadium. I think it was only for Pokemon Stadium. Um, and then there was also like weird oh, ones. Yeah. There was like the microphone for Hey You Pikachu. Did you have any of these or like any weird third party ones? I uh, I definitely had the rumble packs when those came out. Uh, I missed that. I missed sliding it into the controller because I and I remember playing like GoldenEye with it. It's like I'm reloading the the magazine and the gun now. <laughs> um, but the I remember I don't think I had the Hey You Pikachu mic. Um, I can't remember if it was the Pokemon Stadium transfer system, but wasn't there some other Game Boy related thing for the Nintendo 64? I might be thinking of the Game Boy Advance thing for the GameCube, actually. The Game Boy Player? Yeah, maybe it was that. Yeah, because I, uh, I think I think that whole thing skipped the N64 because there was, there was yeah. the one for Super Nintendo and then there was one for GameCube, but I don't believe there was one for N64. At least it like, allowed you to play games on the TV. You know, I, I had that extra RAM and I had the rumble and some some accessory uh, or some memory cards. But uh, I remember like the very first Mad Cats controller I got to replace another controller and just how utterly fucking awful it was. Oh, yeah. They're, they're <laughs> it's like, terrible. What's this controller? They've got their terrible ergonomics. They break really easily. Yeah, just awful. Unbelievable. I... I was lucky enough that I only ever had like first party controllers. I only had two of them granted. Yeah. Um, but they always worked until <laughs> like that joystick got worn out. Oh, and you better believe it would. It, Especially if you were playing Mario Party, man, that sucker was not going to last oh, long. Yeah, just like putting your palm on the stick and then moving it in a circle. Mm hmm. Which I think that game was only in Mario Party 1. I never played that one, so I never actually got to experience that minigame. I wore my oh, control sticks out playing other games. Like the minigames for Pokemon Stadium, which were all that was worth for playing Pokemon Stadium. Oh, I love those. Yeah, I think you guys were chatting about that with Sari when you guys were talking Pokemon. I was like, yes, that, that was the Those were those such games fun minigames. Mm-hmm. I love Some those. of the memory ones for, uh, I think it was... The Clefairy minigame, yep. some memory-based game. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, you know, there's just, this is just going to be more things that bother me. But every time I see posts that are just like, hey, guys, remember the N64 controller? How weird and dumb was that? Oh, I, my God. I fucking hate those posts. Yeah. Because the controller, and again, this is a time when, like, Video gaming was all very new. And not only that, but like 3D environments were very new. No one, there was no like accepted way to design a controller, like a handheld home console controller with a joystick, right? And because like, I I think, I think it might've also been an option of like, we need to give developers options. The mm-hmm. controller is two controllers in one. Yeah, you had your D-pad, and then you, you had two different environments. The posters are just like, oh my god, you need to be an alien with three hands to use the <laughs> Like, are you a fucking idiot? That kind of genuinely Zoomers, makes dude. me laugh when like, you say are that. Are you thing. a... Like how fucking you like the people that genuinely think that are stupid are like way more stupid than me not being able to figure out these games as a kid. 
Because, like, no, you either choose the D-pad side and hold that handle, or you choose the control stick side and you hold that handle. Those are your two options. You don't need three fucking hands. Like, I'm, I, I cannot believe... I cannot believe that that is even discourse. <laughs> but it's also Nintendo's like... Nintendo's just known for just like, I don't know, exploring new territory. The Nintendo's yeah. not afraid to do something no, different. Like they, and, they're always you know, on their own. Yeah. Which sometimes is great, but sometimes like I do want just a regular controller. <laughs> yes, please. Thank God for the Pro Controller. Oh yeah, no. The Wii U Pro Controller was so good. But yeah, like, I don't I don't know. I, I hate seeing that. It, it bothers me a lot. Because like no, it's it's two different controllers because like because there were definitely games like uh like Mischief Maker that are completely side scrolling. Yeah. And like you would probably want to use the D pad instead of a control stick, but then you also have like your Mario your Mario sixty fours, which there's no way you're going to be using a D pad, especially when it's like hey groundbreaking new three D Mario platforming. <laughs> we're going to use digital inputs. No, use the analog stick. Josh, it sounds like you, the comments are upsetting you. The posts are upsetting you. You got to stay off the internet in general. I really hate the internet. (laughs) (laughs) I don't blame you. You just, you just got to stay off it and you'll be, yeah, you'll be happier. You'll be in a better mood. I I really would. And I, I've spent enough time. I've been on the internet since I was like eight. So I don't need, I've gotten a lifetime's worth of internet. Yeah. You're too stressed out from the internet. You got to take a break, take a breather. Yeah. Go live on on an island for a little while with with no service. But yeah. But you know what I'm going to do the first thing I land on that island? Jack off. I'm going to try and scroll through Reddit, baby. (laughs) (laughs) To find porn to jack off to. (laughs) (laughs) Paul, do you have any, any memories of like going over to friends' houses? Any like, any sweet, awesome N64 memories? Uh no, mostly just the ones that I that I've already brought up the Lego racer and the uh the pod racing one. Um I remember in was that I think it was middle school playing some Goldeneye and since I didn't I didn't play that game for years after it came out, uh the first time mm. playing it I got very motion sick and it was like oh, a wow. birthday party. Yeah, and so everybody oh, no. was like loving playing Goldeneye and I was like uh, can we do something else? And they were all like, no, <laughs> we're going to keep playing Goldeneye. And I was like, yeah, okay, me too. And I just felt terrible. Oh, no. Oh, did you, uh, you got, I'm sure I know, Josh, you had to apologize for playing any like Super Smash 64. Uh, every once in a while, but never, yeah. not not a ton. Most of my friends had um, either Xbox or PlayStation 2 or PlayStation 1 or something like that. So I, gotcha. I just really didn't have a ton of any N64 um, experience. Yeah, that's that's fair. Until I got to college, then one of my uh, friends had a an N sixty four, and we played Mario Party two, and we'd eat Little Caesars pizza in the dorms. Oh, that sounds like a sick I have time. Mario Party two. Mm-hmm. Drew, do you do you do you still have any cartridges? No, man. I uh, I oh, fuck, I would kill to have my original N sixty four back, and especially my uh, Majora's Mask cartridge. That was my favorite. Probably my favorite N sixty four game. Yeah, I had the gold with the the 3D lenticular. Yeah, the the cool holographic. Yeah. Oh dude. hell yeah. Yeah, my folks gave me that for my birthday. I remember, and I flipped my fucking shit. I was so pumped. I I loved that game. Majora's Mask is probably my favorite Zelda game. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's I I also think it's the best Zelda game. Like it does like there's a lot of really cool in game mechanics and design choices. The tone of the overall game is really yeah, cool. Yeah, very dark. That game also definitely scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. 
Yeah. And I did not complete that game until I was like 14 and I played it when they, when they like, not necessarily re-released it, but they like put the game on GameCube is when I like played and finished that game. I had no idea they did that. I think if you pre-ordered Wind Waker, you got an extra promotional disc and that promotional disc included Ocarina of Time, Ocarina of Time Master Quest. Yeah, I had Master Quest. Majora's Mask, the original Zelda and Zelda 2. Um, so that I so I borrowed that from Damn. a friend, and that's how I was like, I'm gonna finish Majora's Mask, and I finished it, and it was a very fun game, and I liked it, but yeah, I did I, rent it from the store, and got scared. It was for me too. There were some sections where I had to have my dad kind of walk through. Anytime like the re-dead zombies were involved, like I, uh, mm-hmm. in, especially in Ocarina of Time where they screamed and like they came over to hump you, I was like, fuck oh, that, yeah. dad. Can you please yeah, deal no, with this? I cannot. I cannot do this. <laughs> What's he doing to Link, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Way, way too scary. Yeah. Uh, and some of the mask transformation scenes. And, and even just like uh, the Skull Kid or Majora, like just some of the like deep dark woods, like creepy mm-hmm. shit. Like, yeah, hi. You got that moon, too. Yeah, the moon. The moon is also very scary. Like the whole premise of the game, the world's gonna end with the moon crushing you. Like mm-hmm. that's that's heavy metal. It is really interesting, like how many like just scary things and themes there are in these games for like games that are made for kids, pretty much. Right. right? Like right. yeah, it's 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 pretty wild. Like a lot I don't know, a lot of these games just like scared me, but I, I still do have most of, well, I, I, I have not most, I have all the cartridges that I ever had when I was a kid. That's um, cool. And I looked up some of the prices on them and it is wild how much some of them have appreciated in value. Yeah. It's a crazy market for those. Do you know mm-hmm. any off the top of your head, which are like really sought after? Though I, I, I looked up, um, from that, the guy that you showed me that like owns a game store in Seattle that was streaming. Oh um, yeah, I I just went to that website that he uses for for value, um, for games, uh-huh. and my copy of Goemon's Great Adventure, it is, I I, it is complete in box because I have the box and the manual, both of which though are not in the best condition, because I definitely just like, I flipped through those and I read that manual so like, mm-hmm. I want to say I miss that manuals. yeah for real, I want to say well. Ooh, who's that? <laughs> Secret lover? Maybe. I'll never tell. Ooh, spicy. At, at least two of my N64 manuals, I would just read just like a book. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading them like during the summer and it was very hot and my hands got sweaty. And I, I, I flipped through these manuals so much that there are spots on the manual where the color wiped off. And it's just oh, like wow. white paper. And I think... This manual might be one of them. So I know I'm not getting the full value, but full value complete in box runs for like $350. Wow. Holy shit. So I can probably get, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I can get. Probably like two, 200, 200 bucks for this thing. Yeah. Um, and also I think, I don't know. I, I have like somewhat of a, my N64 collection is somewhat valuable. Uh, Cause I have that. I have, Goemon's great, or Mystical Ninja starring Goemon. That one, I just have the cartridge. So that one's not worth as much. I think it's still like 70 bucks. 
I have Mario Party 2, which is very expensive. Um, huh. I think Banjo-Tooie is also kind of pricey nowadays. I have that complete in box. Um, yeah, I have a... I have a lot of those like kind of like sought after games now, which is kind of weird. That's really cool. Yeah. I would shed a tear if I could hold on to some of my old cartridges. Cause I don't know. There's just something very cool and iconic about those, uh, N64 cartridges. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'm, I'm glad I have them. I'm also really, I'm like super glad that like my, so like my mom didn't play video games that often. Like she would play sometimes if it was a game that interested her. But it wasn't something that like she really, I would say, liked to do. Mm-hmm. I am just very glad that she had some sort of forethought of like someday these might be valuable. So like she yeah. never gave any away. She never made me sell them or get rid of them. Um, she just let me keep them because maybe someday they'll be worth something. And now I have That's some sweet. very valuable rare video games. That's pretty cool. Which is and, like yeah, just fun. to have around and display. That's yeah, pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do wish, man, if I if I had known like that my childhood video store was like closing and they were selling stuff, I would have loved to get my hands on just like some of those games that I played when I was a kid, like Buck Bumble would love yeah. to have a copy of that um, or like Chameleon Twist. Chameleon Twist, which is another like 3D platformer, I remember, and this was before we had a memory pack, renting that game playing it, getting fairly far into the game. And then I think it was like time to go to bed. And I was like, I got really far. And I remember my dad being like, I guess you can just leave it on. That should be fine. And I had never done this before. And I was like anxiety ridden. Just like my N64 might melt in the middle of the night because I'm leaving it on. You know, because I was always taught like, okay, when you're done, you have to turn the console off and save energy. It's like, okay, I'll do that. And then, like, I was just allowed, like, okay, you can leave the console on. And I was just, like, so paranoid that, like, the N64 is going to melt or break or, What if you just walked in the next morning and it was just on fire? (laughs) (laughs) Just, like, in flames. I would have cried. (sighs) I would have cried if that happened. Just would have been so absurd. Um, Or, or, or like, maybe the game would have, like, ceased to function. Like, it would have froze or crashed like i had so many worries about it and then i remember not getting that much farther than having to turn the game <laughs> and, that, <laughs> and that's how that's how that game ended i wish i could remember the the last n64 game i played before i graduated to the the gamecube i don't remember well yeah i don't really remember because in between um we got a playstation one oh. so i went from n64 to playstation one and then played a bunch of playstation games and then later on got a gamecube so that was, yeah. that was that's like my console trajectory. Yeah, I don't I don't remember what the last N64 game I would have played was. But yeah, I don't know. Any other uh thoughts about the N64? I mean, I've I've got plenty more, but I feel like we can probably wrap yeah. this up. Yeah, I mean, this could always be a, I, I, I truly have no more thoughts about the N64, um, but we can always revisit it too, That's especially because I'm sure this probably prompted some thinking from you guys and maybe even some listener thoughts that we could Ooh. work on. Yeah. You hear that? Yeah. Listeners? <laughs> it's there, I think I read there's like over 400 different games that came out for the N64 during its lifetime. So wow. I'm sure there's some cool stuff that we're missing out on that other people out there have played. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I mean, there's always those tons of like, there's like way more 
like obscure games, even though the ones that I feel like I mentioned were just like ones that no one has ever heard of or played. And then there's also like, oh, what what is it? The uh, like all all the special edition N64s. Like it was, it was the height of translucent plastic. So you could get N64s in like translucent oh, blue yeah. and green and orange and all the matching controllers. There was also like the special edition, hey, you Pikachu console. Like there's, right. there's a lot about the N64 to really talk about, you know, and some of, some of it is like hard to talk about without experience, like the disc drive that never released in the U S and only like three games ever utilized it. So right. there, there is a lot more to talk about, but that might be just it for for today yeah drew do you have any final thoughts about the n64 uh not really it was just just the the console that defined my gaming taste so i always i thought it was just a a pretty big milestone in my little gamer life nice hell yeah well aren't you gonna ask me for my final thoughts i thought i already did (laughs) oh or or you or you just offered it (laughs) well i have one more which is i was always excited when a friend had it and i could play it with them out of 64, I'm giving it a 50. Nice. <laughs> Not bad. Yeah. I'm giving it the full 64. Wow. A plus. <laughs> a plus. It gets an A plus for me. I love that thing. And I still have my original N64. It's in, it's in the bedroom. Didn't melt. Nope. Didn't melt. Still on to this day. <laughs> still on. I never turned it off. <laughs> it's got a it's got an extension got special cord fan. running all the way back to my parents' house. <laughs> <laughs> I got one of those fancy 200-mile extension cords. That is probably worth more than that N64. <laughs> Sentimentally, not at all. <laughs> all right, well, that's our that's our show on, uh, on the N64. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you have your own thoughts about the N64 that you would like to share with us, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram at NES underscore pod, or you can send us an email, nostalgiasystempodcast at gmail.com. Drew. Is there anything that you would like yeah. to plug at this time? Uh, not really. I think you usually covered for me there, pal. <laughs> That's true. We that, plug you that is in true. every we episode. Do, we do plug you every episode. Uh, yeah, the the SoundCloud page is there. Uh, the Twitter is not really active, so apologies on that. I, I, I actually gave up Twitter, so whoops. For the best. But, Good uh, for you. Yeah. Twitter is yeah, a hellhole. Yeah, it fucking sucks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you also stream on Twitch. I don't know if you want to stream or plug your Twitch. Oh yeah, it's yeah, a different you can catch name, me but at, uh, it's still you. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be Drucifer. So D R E W C I F U R. Cool. But yeah, I'm on there. Uh, sometimes I'll stream some of the music production I'm working on. I've got two different projects I, I do, and then other times I'm usually screaming at Dark Souls or I'm <laughs> playing some sort of FPS. <laughs> I think you've have you been playing Valheim? I think I've seen you play that. Valheim's been pretty cool. I uh, and then I, Valheim gave me the Wow itch. And now I'm playing WoW. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where my life is at right now. All right. Hell yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, that's where you can find, that's where you can find Drew. Paul. Yeah. Is there anything that you would like to plug? Shout uh, out, Paul. You can find me on Twitter if you want to. Krang's dumb body. Uh, I He's did tweeted recently. I did tweet this week. <laughs> so you're in luck if you want to see it. <laughs> I think I actually said my, one of my tweets on the podcast last episode. So that's a teaser. There is another one if you want to see it. Uh, one tweet that I had 
Uh, this is, wasn't recently, but uh, I did get a couple people asking, what's wrong with me? So, <laughs> ooh, there you go. That's that's all I'm going to say. Were they people you knew or are they strangers? They're people I know. Okay. So they should already know. <laughs> <laughs> you can support the show on Patreon, patreon.com slash nostalgia entertainment system. Our Patreon numbers are growing. Wow. Which is great. There's some bonus episodes on there. And Paul and I regularly record them now so there'll be even more uh dumb shit from the two of us um other than that you can also find us on twitch i've been streaming on twitch on the show's twitch page <laughs> twitch.tv slash nostalgia system podcast it's where you can find me playing games i've been playing persona 5 strikers because that just came out and i'm enjoying nice. it a lot and i'm also going to try and use that uh use twitch as a I don't know, maybe like a, a way to document trying to finish 12 games in 12 months. I am still zero for 12 and we are, it is March yes, <laughs> and I am zero for 12. So I am pretty behind, but my momentum is starting to build because I feel like Persona 5 Strikers will, will, will get me to that one. I know that I will finish for sure. And then we'll hopefully get 11 more games from there. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, you can find me streaming on Twitch over there. Uh, we'd like it if you would share the show with your friends uh, or your family, uh, and especially that one Slack channel that you've got at work. Um, we all know you have it. We all know you have it, and it's not difficult to say, hey, guys, check this out, and then put a link to uh, nostalgiaentertainmentsystem.xyz. Super easy plug. You can go ahead and do that. Finally, thank you to Moonraker Music for composing our theme song, Scanlines. You can find him on the internet at Moonraker or at Moonraker Music. That's Moon, R-A-Y-K-E-R. That's pretty much it. Paul and I didn't think about an episode for next week, so it'll be a surprise for everyone. I think you mean next week's episode is a super special secret surprise. Ooh. We're not even going to say it. You'll so have you... to tune in to find out what it is. Oh, yeah. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. GG. Goodbye.